It's almost here. It's almost here. It's almost here. This is our last week without football. Yeah. Next Thursday. Yeah. A week from tomorrow. Yep. We will have football on TV when this again. When this episode comes out, it'll be a week from today. Yeah. Because we, we release it tomorrow. Yeah. Granted, it's the worst game hey. of all time. It's a game. Always. It's a game. Wait, didn't they get canceled like the last two years or something? I can't remember, but honestly, all I care about is that football's back. We've got our fantasy draft Football's order back? set. Yeah. That sounds so <laughs> just chills. Good. I just got chills. Football's <laughs> back. Football is back, baby. Training camp. Everything. Ah! <laughs> One more time. Welcome to the Good Time Sports Podcast. This is episode 45. I am your host and producer, Andrew Maloney, here with our co-host, Colin Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, if this episode came out early this week, we might not have had much to talk about, but things are ramping up. We're talking about some some MLB, some F1, some massive NCAA news dropping today, NFL news, extensions all over the place, training camp is back. And as always, we wrap it up with this day in sports. Cullen, how are you today? I like the timing. You timed that almost to the drop, like right yeah. to the T. Had a little flub up there, but you recovered well. So there yeah, you go. The, well, kind of like the 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 flubber, like kind of it did. It added to it. it. Helped with the timing. It it just it accentuated your just excitement. You yeah, because I'm very excited right now. <laughs> are you kidding me? Funny. As a Big 12 fan, I'm very excited today. And we'll be getting into that along with everything else in this uh, world of sports that we just. Love to talk about. There's so much. So much. Football's back. Football is back. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Let's get to some MLB. (laughs) Oh, my God. You can't get the two of us in a room together. No, you really can't. Brendan not being here has just really just caused our friendship to I don't even know what to describe it. Our friendship is like because it, you know when you when you have a two person podcast it's just it means more, you know, yeah, it's the, more the chemistry the chemistry builds, you yeah. know. And no no slight to Brendan. Right. But it's just been me and Cole in the last few weeks. Hey, I'm on a pretty solid streak. You are. Uh I don't know the exact count, but you're definitely the second longest continuous running podcast member. Yeah, behind you, <laughs> yeah. because you haven't missed one. Well, but. I didn't say it, but you know, since you mentioned it, you know, 45 straight, you know, no big deal. Uh, Speaking of Brandon, <laughs> the big baseball guy is not here, but we're going to talk about some baseball, some big storylines. Uh, Carlos Rodon looks for his first Yankees win in his fourth start this season. Uh, he has a 7.36 ERA. That's rough. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. Not good. Not good. Good. I am good. I am good. I am Rodon. I am good. The Astros and the Rangers will be tied atop the AL West if Houston completes the sweep today, and I hope to God they do not. The Cubs are five games out of a playoff spot as a trade deadline approaches, and Manny Machado's eleven home runs are four more than any other player this month. Manny Machado is one of my five favorite non-Seattle Mariner baseball players. And I just love the fact that he's heating up right now. That was a very, like, cherry-picked stat. A little. Well, I mean, obviously the Mariners are going to be my, you know, team. But, like, you know, if I picked guys that aren't on my team. He is one of my top five 
hitters who is not a Seattle Mariner <laughs> as his name starts with an M. There you go. Yeah. Boom. I fit, uh, it fits. It fits. Sure. <laughs> okay. I guess. <laughs> Both statements are true. Yeah. Looking at the standings, though, I mean, just running through these real quick. We're really starting to see the outliers, but man, the Houston Astros are rolling right now. They are seven and three in their last ten. They have won two straight against the Texas Rangers, who had a rough outing against the Dodgers the series before, dropped two of those three, now have dropped two of the three against the Astros and could get swept today or yesterday. But um Yeah. It's AOS West is coming down to the wire. So Brennan's happy no matter what is what I'm getting. From yeah, this. basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the Rangers didn't get off to the best start post All-Star break. Um, I still think they're... Uh, hold on. They did. They won seven straight post All-Star No, I'm break. saying, but like in total, I'm saying up to this point. Yeah, compared to the, the pace they were on, they didn't get off to that same pace. They're eight and four. Uh, uh, albeit against, you know... They're the seven Dodgers, and 50. The Dodgers and... Uh, well, I'm saying if you match that pace from the beginning of the... Uh, before the All-Star break... Up to this point, they hadn't because, like you said, they messed oh, slowly yeah, yeah, the yeah. Dodgers yeah. And up to the Astros. Yeah. That's what I was referring okay. not the whole, gotcha. not, the, not the immediate right after. Gotcha. Anyways, so yeah, the Rangers, they had a couple of tough uh, series matchups. You obviously mentioned the Dodgers and now the Astros that they're currently in. And we're finding out more about this team and more about the weaknesses that they need to address at the trade deadline, which is right around the corner. It also doesn't help, though, that you lost Corey Seager in game one against the Dodgers. Did not help, no, especially against his former team. Too. Yeah. And, and he was performing very well mm-hmm. that game. And then on top of that, you lose Adolis Garcia in the series finale against the Dodgers. So you don't have him for game one against the Astros. And to be completely fair, both these games have been one run games. So it, it, we're not getting blown out. But yeah, the little things are, you know, showing up and the little things are losing us games right now. And that little big thing, the bullpen. Yeah. Showing its ugly head again. Oh, so bad. Aroldis Chapman, uh, I know in his last appearance, didn't have the greatest kind of inning of relief. No, he did not. And look, he was a very big upgrade for the Rangers and definitely somebody that they're going to need down the stretch and hopefully for the Ranger fans deep into October. But it's not just him. A bullpen is not just one arm. No, it's not. You need multiple arms. No, and I mean, and if there's one thing that the Rangers address this trade deadline, it has to be the bullpen. Yeah. I honestly don't think you need to worry about anything else at this moment. You have the starting pitching. Even with DeGrom out, the bullpen just, you need you need the help on the back end. You need the closers. Because if you get into the postseason, the bullpen, it's going to cost you a series. And it could very well be your very first series. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it only takes, you know, just a couple of bad days and you're you're done. Your season's yeah. over. Everything you worked for, absolutely. So having it takes three straight losses against the Astros mm. to be tied for first with them now, right? So definitely, uh, kind of just looking around here at some teams because we'll kind of you know touch on the Rangers. Obviously, they're the local team. You know, they're right. fit two big fans here on the podcast and everything. Uh, they're looking to add some people, and I kind of did some research, Loki, before the podcast just to see, hey, you know, who could potentially the Rangers target. <laughs> Uh, in terms of relievers, um, I looked at some of the athletics players because obviously they're tanking. But how fire sell wi- right? But how willing would the athletics be in terms of trading in t- in division with you know division rivals? We'll see. I mean, it could happen if they're really just trying to get off somebody in particular, or maybe a couple people in their case. Um, Kansas City Royals, the Rangers already have a trading kind of partner there. Maybe they could try to target 
some Royals relievers. Uh, the White Sox have been hugely disappointing, and they've got some arms, uh, not only in their starters and their bullpen, that they could potentially look to unload. The Tigers, disappointing. The Tigers the could White be Sox. sneaky if they want to unleash some guys, too. I know the Tigers have kind of had a better season than they thought they would, but still not in the point where they're contending. Right. Um, the Rockies could be another team. The Cardinals as well. Cardinals have a lot of talented guys on the roster um, that they could look to unload. So St. Louis. Yeah, just some teams as well. Maybe the Mets trying to unload, offload some guys. But, yeah, I just... The Rangers right now, uh, they're already on the phone. They're already discussing. They're already messaging with some teams. We already know this. It's just a matter of who is going to make the right deal for the right price in order to upgrade this roster and hopefully make, for Rangers fans, a deep playoff push and hopefully their deepest playoff push if you're a Rangers fan. So is there... I'll ask you this, Maloney. Yes, you know, ebbs and flows. You, you discussed it with, you know, uh, Adolis and you also with Seager. Injuries will happen you know, Jacob DeGrom also too. Uh, how do you feel about the depth, you know, infield, outfield, catcher, uh, starting pitching, like all the, do you feel like the depth is at a point where the Rangers are strong in all those areas or are you kind of concerned about anything in particular? Uh, our, I think our depth just in the, oh my God. Excuse you. Offensive one. <laughs> oh my God. Drink some water. It's going to be buddy. another one of these. Hold on. <laughs> okay. All right, hiccups averted. Um, Defense-wise, I think we're deep. Even hitting-wise. I mean, you have guys like Ezekiel Duran, who's having a great season. Josh Smith is having a great season. Leody Tavares is balling out this year. I mean, he's like he's a super utility man. Like, it, it, it's he's doing incredible. It's, yeah. Uh, the only depth I'm worried about is the bullpen. Our starting pitching obviously is a little thinner now without Jacob Degrom, but Evaldi's still incredible. So is Martin Perez. I mean, yeah, Evaldi is a very huge uh, contender. Excuse me for the AL Cy Young Award yeah, right now. Yeah. So, so I'm not I'm not worried about it I, I, about anything other than our bullpen at this moment because everything else is flaws that every team has, right? No team is perfect. Everyone has their weaknesses. So, do you feel also getting back to kind of the Astros? The Astros, obviously, you know, they've been in this position before. They've been the reigning AL West powerhouse for, it seems like, the last half decade plus. Yeah. And, you know, now they're kind of seemingly getting into form. They're really, you know, kind of showing their stuff. Are you worried about them kind of going down the stretch in terms of, you know, being able to compete with them and kind of I'm, competing for this top? AL West division. I'm worried about any team coming out hot after all-star break. Right. Because the, they tend to stay hot. Um, if the Rangers come out mediocre, they're probably going to stay mediocre. They are not. They haven't been bad by any means other than two pretty bad losses to the Dodgers. But every other win you had was great. Um, you blew the game against the Dodgers. You had the lead in game one. You would have won that series had you not blown that lead. And... Both those are the two run one game one blah, 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 one ones <laughs> one run games against the Astros and you flip those and you're going for a sweep tonight. So it it I don't see anything that's really been super concerning outside of the bullpen. Um, but yeah, I mean obviously a team with the pedigree that Houston has and their history in the last five six years. Yeah, you obviously have to worry about them. 
I it's I haven't not been worried about them all year. I've been worried about the Astros because I knew at any moment they could become the team that we know. And it's the same with the Angels, dude. I mean, the Angels are only seven games back, like six and a half games back. They get on a hot streak, you know, that, that's over two. And mm-hmm. they have two of the best players in baseball. Right. So... Uh, Andrew Heaney takes the mound tonight for the Texas Rangers going up against Valdez for the Houston Astros. After this series, too, the Rangers will kind of really see how they rebound because obviously they're losing the series no matter what. Yeah. Depends on if it's going to be a sweep or not. Uh, they then play their next three against the Padres, followed by the Chicago White Sox, and then the Miami Marlins and the Oakland Athletics are the next four before they kind of have to go to um, San Francisco August 11th through the 13th. That'll be like their next kind of big series yeah. that they have to compete in. Yeah. But uh, obviously rebounding from the series is going to be something I think a lot of Rangers fans over these next 12 games after this one. I think tonight's huge because you either tonight you lose tonight and you're you're tied for first place with mm-hmm. the Astros. Um, you win, you have a two game cushion, which the Rangers have gotten down to a two game cushion before. Um, but. The Astros' schedule after this is not an easy one. You have a three-game series against Tampa Bay. Then you have a three-game series against Cleveland. Then you're playing at New York for four games. Then at Baltimore. And then you're playing against Los Angeles, like the Angels. At New York, Yankees or Mets? Yankees. Okay. Just want to make sure. Yeah. So, by all means, yeah. while we are going into one of the easier stretches of our schedule... They're going into one of the more difficult stretches of their schedule. So if you come out of this with at least a two-game cushion, I feel confident in the fact that we can expand that cushion. If you come out and now you're tied, that can do a lot to the confidence of a team and can inherently make it difficult for them moving forward past this series. Yeah, because they won't play again um, against the Astros until they're home uh, September 4th through the 6th here in Arlington. So and that's yeah, it may come down to that's series like approaching that. the end of the season, right? So could be very interesting. And as you mentioned, they're only one game back. Meanwhile, big topic around baseball is the team in third place, and more specifically, their star outfielder slash pitcher slash do it all man, yeah, Shohei Otani. Yeah, he has been rumored for it feels like ever since he kind of became an angel. <laughs> yeah, when is he moving on his way out of there? Uh, you know, it hasn't worked with him and Trout. Uh, there's just been limited success trying to get them both out on the field at the same time. And Shohei's obviously on a very historic pace this season. He's potentially going to be challenging, you know, knock on wood, for Aaron Judge's AL record home run uh, total for a season. And the Angels now are sitting at a place where, okay, they have to make a decision. Are we going to try to risk keeping him for the entire rest of the season, seeing how far we get? Do we make a wild card? Do we even make the playoffs and potentially lose them for nothing? Or by the time August 1st rolls around, is Shohei Otani going to be wearing a different jersey? And if so, who? So Vegas currently has the odds at, last I checked, it was minus 300 that he stays with the Angels post-trade deadline. So I do think it's kind of more than likely unless a team makes an offer. I know the Cubs, the Dodgers... Uh, the Mets, the Yankees were also rumored to be in kind of that top echelon of betting odds of teams that could potentially go after him. But yeah, Shohei Otani potentially being on the move. It's not very often that you see 
a person who's widely regarded as the best in their sport potentially being on the move in the middle of the season. Yeah. Do you think Shohei Otani gets moved? Yes. Do you have anybody in mind? Honestly, no. But, it's, you, but it's, you just have a it's, gut feeling. It's, uh, I think he gets moved, but with a player of that caliber, it could be anybody. Because any team would be dumb not to move whatever they have to to try to get Shohei. Even if his contract expires and it's only a rental? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I get it, too, especially if you're you know, a team that it could really kind of... I mean, if you're a West Coast team, yeah, I'm going all in. Mm-hmm. Because that's where Shohei wants to be. Right. So... Yeah, it could be, uh, you know, a Dodger could be a Giant. God, I hope not. Could be a, a bunch of different teams. Uh, but, but I think he's going to go to a big market. I think that he's just he's too big of a star to kind of sit there and I don't know play. For, literally finish third place in the AOS every year. Like, so it's not worth it. I think he'll more likely move in the off season, but that's just me. I could be proven wrong the next time we record a podcast. We could yeah. have a very different tune. But ultimately, time will tell. Yeah, uh, kind of looking around though at the standings, big news in the AL East. The Orioles. The Orioles have overtaken the Rays for first place. They're kind of tied right now, technically, in wins. But the Rays are two games back of the Orioles at the moment. Um, this Orioles storyline is so much fun. They're so young. They're balling out, and they're having a season for the ages right now. Cedric Mullins, Gunnar Henderson. Adley Rutschman. Uh, I'm blanking on their first baseman's name. They've got so many great hitters, and now they're pitching starting to kind of uh, coexist with the batting. And they only have a plus 48 run differential. But man, oh man, it is a pleasure to watch a team like this kind of grow up before your own very eyes. And they now, at this current moment, hold the best record in the entire American League. Throughout this entire season, it's been Rays, Rangers, Rays, Rangers, Rays, Rangers. And now the Orioles. No, Orioles, 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 Orioles. <laughs> throw themselves in the ring. And I couldn't be happy for the city of Baltimore. For most of my life, the Orioles have been not a great franchise. The one seed in the American League is going to be a lot of fun. That's going to come down to the wire. I think so, too. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And we know it's probably going to come from either the East or the West because it's definitely not going to be the Central. <laughs> no. uh, the Central the Super Division's dead. Yeah. At Minnesota, the moment. So, at the moment. The Yankees, pick your game up. Pick your game up. Uh, the Minnesota Twins currently lead the Central, followed by the Guardians, the Tigers, the White Sox, and the Royals. The Royals are eagerly chasing the Athletics for worst record in the American League. They only have a half-game better record than the A's at this current moment. So definitely something also to keep your eye on, the Race to worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, Toronto also looking really good in the American League East. They are third, followed by Boston and New York. That division, it as, as great as the Orioles and Rays have been, it only takes a really strong two weeks for either the Ray, or excuse me, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, or the Yankees to just throw their name right back into it. And I know Judge has been dealing with injuries. Boston's been kind of dealing with uh, stuff with Chris Sale and some other key starters blue jays are very talented like that division we could sit here and if you were to tell me that it was flip-flopped like come season's end i i could 100 percent see it and yeah. only time will tell <laughs> only time will tell 
over to the National League as the Atlanta Braves, the best record in all of baseball. They are a clear commanding lead of the NL East, followed by the Philadelphia Phillies, Miami Marlins, New York Mets, Washington Nationals. The Phillies have done a really great job rebounding from that horrible start. Terrible. I remember talking about that start. At the beginning of the year, uh, the defending National League representative in the World Series, uh, they're trying to push for a late wildcard spot, but no one's catching, catching this Braves team. My God. They... They look incredible. Uh, the last ten games that they've had, though, a little bit on little the bit. on the struggle bus. A little bit. Four and six. They look human for now. <laughs> for once. Uh, for once. But uh, watching this race, this race, Braves team all season, they they can snap out of it at any moment and just go right back to winning ten straight. So. Yep. Uh, they have a couple of really great pitchers, Spencer Strider, and I'm blanking on the other guy's name. Uh, you obviously have the star power on the uh, offensive side of the ball with Acuna, Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, to name a few. And, you know, plus 142 run differential. It's good for uh, second best of all baseball. They actually passed the Tampa Rays for yeah, that. one run. Yeah. And, um, look, they're a great home, great away team. I just, they seem destined to represent the National League oh, World yeah, Series. Absolutely. And if we were doing kind of a tiers, like they're on an island by themselves. Because they are running away. They're the S tier. Yeah. S, elite tier. Uh, taking it over to the Central Division in the National League, which is also similarly not as bad as the AL Central, but, no, but kind of lower. Yeah. yeah. Milwaukee Brewers lead that one, followed by the Cincinnati Reds and De La Cruz. De La Cruz. Chicago Cubs, Pittsburgh Pirates, St. Louis Cardinals round out that division. I would expect those bottom three to kind of be sellers at the deadline. Uh, one quick note on the Cubs, uh, former NL MVP, Corey, uh, excuse me, Corey, Cody Bellinger, uh, has had a rebound season for the Cubs. He's really revitalized his career. He could be a potential bat that's on the move, especially for a team that needs kind of an outfield presence. Look for his name to be potentially a trade target. If I do say so myself, and then we take it over to the NL West, the Los Angeles Dodgers have regained their power in that division. They're leaning by four games over the Arizona Diamondbacks and the San Francisco Giants, followed by the San Diego Padres, and the Colorado Rockies. Padres, man. So disappointing. They're, I think that's as close I've seen them to like 500 in I don't know how many episodes we've done. And maybe they'll finally put it all together, but they're going to need one hell of a second half to reach the expectations or even have a chance of reaching the expectations that so many uh, people had, including myself and Brendan, had them before the season. Blake Snell's doing everything in his power. He's been lights out as a... Starting pitcher, it just hasn't been enough for the San Diego Padres squad. It's tough. It's very tough. Corbin Carroll, Corbin Carroll also, by the way, is one of the best rookies I've seen in recent memory. The outfielder for the Diamondbacks. He's phenomenal. Yeah. So they got a future stud there. Uh, but yeah, that kind of concludes all of that. Uh, ready to run through injuries? Yeah, I will run them through. I'm just going to take one swig of water. That was not ASMR worthy at all. That was terrible. Okay. Give us the injuries. <laughs> all right. Running through Jordan Alder Alvarez, excuse me, right oblique strain and Jose Altuve left oblique strain. We're both activated prior to Wednesday's game against the Rangers. Definitely some key <laughs> stuff there. Aaron Judge, barring setbacks, are the Yankees are reportedly planning to activate Judge prior to Friday's game against the Orioles. So make sure you tune in to see Aaron Judge return. Yandy Diaz left groin tightness, left Tuesday's game after he stretched out a snag throw and was 
up to the first base line. He was out of Wednesday's lineup and it is considered day to day. Brandon Woodruff threw 32 pitches in a rehab outing for High A Wisconsin on Monday. JP Crawford was out of the lineup Wednesday, series finale against the Twins after taking an 85.1 mile per hour slider off his right knee from Ouch. Minnesota reliever Oliver Ortega. Uh, we scroll down here. Jazz Chisholm traveled the club to St. Petersburg, and he was expected to hit in the batting cage and do defensive drills on the field before the game on Tuesday. The Marlins have been doing this, by the way, without Jazz in the lineup. Yo, it's crazy. And if they get Jazz back, Lord, look out. Chris Bryant, who was sidelined by a bruised left heel for most of June, returns to the IL after be hitting by pitch uh, this past Saturday. We're scrolling down. Chris Sale, as we previously mentioned, uh, he's moving fast in his rehab uh, from a stress reaction in his left shoulder blade. So. Good news for Red Sox fans. And last but certainly not least, Jose Alvarado played catch from 90 feet for the second time in three days on July 24th. He's been dealing with left elbow inflammation. Killed it. Tried it, man. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the MLB. That was baseball. Let's get on over to the world of Formula 1. Oh boy, we need to like. Hungry was fun as always. I, it was the race it, was kind of boring though. It was it was really boring. I got up. I was up and watching, and Andrew kind of slept through his alarm. Unfortunately, I but. did. <laughs> I don't know why. I was tired. Hey, listen, man. But hard, hard I, I caught the highlights. I caught the key moments, and I caught up eventually. So, uh, Max Verstappen won. <laughs> in case you needed to know that. what? <laughs> no way. And Red Bull. Uh, Break a record held by McLaren, ironically, um, for most consecutive race wins dating back to last season. They are now won 12 in a row. Congratulations to Red Bull. Red <sighs> Bulls. Uh, McLaren, Lando Norris did finish P2, so great job for McLaren. I did predict that he would be on the podium uh, last week, and yeah, McLaren's pace is real. They are 100% in the fight every week now for podiums until further notice i hate it <laughs> i knew that wasn't gonna go over well but i just had to hey listen man it is what it is freaking hate it hey mclaren's performing but daniel ricardo's back in sport daniel ricardo is also <laughs> performing <laughs> he did he and, did in his first race back he got a p13 Qua after after out qualified his teammate he did let, let us mention yuki isonoda out qualified yuki and got hit on the opening lap Opening fell, turn. Yeah, opening <laughs> turn. Fell all the way to dead last. Came back. Outraced his teammate. Finished higher than his teammate. What was made it? Made it all the way back to I, I, I saw on some video. Which did an Alphatari is okay. Right. He went on the last set of mediums, which were essentially on Four, most tracks. 40, 40 la laps. On his, which on most tracks would have been softs. Yeah. But, but on, for Hungary, they obviously yeah. kind of degraded a little bit. 40 On laps. the mediums. It was incredible. No other driver, I think, went more than like 30, if that. And he went 40. So congratulations to Daniel Ricciardo for having a heck of a drive. He was obviously the he was the show in the midfield in the oh, non-points finish. Without a doubt. Uh, to kind of round out the top I, 10. It, it's upsetting, though, because if he did that after falling all the way to dead last, imagine what, what he happen? could have done, you know. I don't think he would have caught up to like the Aston Martins who were no, at the tail end of the But he would have gotten points. I don't know. I think it would have been 10th. I don't think. I think he outraces Lance Stroll. I don't think he... He's he, better than Lance Stroll. I, I'm not... Okay, we're not getting into this. I'm not arguing with you. My point is, I don't think anybody on that pace was catching the top five. I think he could have fought with Albon and Bottas more closely with, you know, for P11. Sure. I don't think any car outside of, like, 
Red Bull, McLaren, Mercedes, Ferrari, Aston Martin was getting a point. Yeah, Rip Shogun knew, though. <laughs> God. So apparently the Alfa Romeo came out and said that, you know, his false start or his stall was a car issue, not a driver issue. So Joe didn't get off the line. Cars fly past him. He then tries to, you know, quickly get into turn one, try to get back into the race. Misses his breaking point. Hits Daniel Ricciardo, as Andrew mentioned, who then hits Espen Ocon, who hits Pierre Gasly. Oh, my God, the Alpines collide again. That's going to be on Drive to Survive. Uh, and, yeah, the Alpines were It's going to be on Drive to Survive like that season where Max and Daniel were, like, yeah. beefing. Yeah. And uh, so the Alpines were out. They didn't score any points. Obviously, Daniel, great recovery drive. Zhou Guan Yu ended up finishing P16. And, yeah, it was just an awful day for AlphaTauri. They had both their drivers make it to Q3, and they are thinking, man, this is crazy. Joe Guan Yu, maybe he could steal no, some Alpha points. Alpha Romeo. Alpha Romeo, excuse me. And yeah, just the race was polar opposite to what they had in quality. It stunk. It did. It stunk. Uh, also, Lewis Hamilton, speaking of which, got pole for his 104th time, record breaking, because we get to say that every time he sets pole or gets <laughs> <Yeah>. a win. <laughs> uh, 104th pole. Uh, keep in mind, all other drivers on the grid combined have 102 poles. Lewis has 104. Yep. So figured throwing that out, uh, but it's he crazy. he ended up falling back. Max very aggressively pushed him wide turn one, which caused uh, Oscar Piastri to dive down the inside. And then Lando had the better uh, traction going out of turn one. And Lewis fell quickly down to P4. He ended up falling, I think, to like P5, or P6 at one point and was able to kind of qu- uh, climb, excuse me, back up to P4. Uh, look, Sergio had a, made it to Q3 <laughs> for once. <laughs> Makes it to Q3. P9. P, yeah, P9, he ends up finishing P3, does get a podium, but it's still, like... Underperforming. It did. He should be starting on the front row with Max every single race. That should be 1-2 for every, every single race. Yeah. If Max is performing this well in that car, there's no reason that Checo shouldn't be performing that well in the car. He ends up, Checo, finishing roughly about four seconds behind Also Lando. wrecking the car in P1. Yeah, which he now has accumulated all his damage... Uh, cost amount for the season already and Red Bull don't plan on giving him any more leeway and they're not trying to take any parts from Max so definitely something to keep an eye on for the rest of the season no more development for Checo Max Max also uh, won by a season high 33.7 seconds did you? There was a video. Someone Max like, crossed the line. And this and this is true. I, Max crossed the line. Yeah, I got up to go pee. Came back. And then I saw Lando cross. Wow. That's pretty crazy. There's like a new TikTok trend that's been going on since like Austria, I want to say, where a fan in the stands will record Max driving by, and then they'll just keep recording while they wait for the second driver. And they just, it's recording. And it's recording. <laughs> and it's recording. And like nothing's happening. And then finally, like, it feels like forever, the second driver comes in. And they did it at Hungary. And I I, th- I had I, I had to double check to make sure my TikTok was still working. <laughs> It's ridiculous. The man's on fire. He's got 44 wins. Well, it's lights out to where we go. Max Verstappen goes and wins, wins the Hungarian, Hungarian Grand Prix. Grand Prix. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty much what's going to happen. They're yeah. already focusing. On, Red Bull is already said they're already focusing on next year's car. Yeah, they don't well, mainly because of the the restrictions and stuff, though. Right. That that, but also the fact that they really don't need to, unless they it's don't. track specific. Yeah. They're not going to bring any adjustments. No, they're not. Um, but yeah, so rounding out the points, Verstappen one, Norris two, 
Perez, three. Hamilton, four. Oscar Piastri, another great finish at P5. George Russell, P6. Charles Leclerc, who we'll talk about in a second. Carlos Sainz, P8. Fernando Alonso, P9. Lance Stroll rounds out the points. Charles Leclerc and Ferrari, man. It's like a meme every time they just get out on the track. Like, something just has to go wrong for Ferrari. You know, he freaking goes into the pits. They have the slowest stop in Formula 1 terms. Just a dreadful stop, a 9.2 seconds. He then gets another five-second penalty, or he gets a five-second penalty for speeding into the pits. And it ended up not really mattering in the end because he finished ahead of Carlos enough to, like, where it didn't matter, and George passed him, like, with a couple laps to go. But you got to sit there if you're Charles, man. And you're the lead boy in Ferrari. They signed you to the biggest contract Ferrari's ever signed, like a young driver, uh, to be their main guy. And you're talented. And you are. He's very talented. Some would argue top two, top three on his best Worthy day. Worthy of the second Red Bull seat. Talented. You got to think that some teams are inquiring about Charles Leclerc's availability. As well as Lando's, I guess, for, <laughs> for what's worth. I can see Charles Leclerc going to Mercedes after Lewis retires. Maybe. I could see it. If he's just so fed up with Ferrari's just reliability issues, just their, their engine. You ever notice with Ferrari, like their engine, whenever their engineers come over the radio, it always sounds like they just don't know what's going yeah. on. Uh, Charles. We'll get back to you. We'll get back. We'll get back to you. It's like they never can You like give- the pizza? <laughs> They can never, they can never give their drivers Charles, a straight answer. Do you ever. want a pizza or spaghetti for dinner? <laughs> Is that your Italian? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Guys, I'm in the middle of a race. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Guys, are would we, you like a lasagna or spaghetti for dinner? So are we boxing for the, the mediums the or the kitchen, hearts? Do you want a pizza box? <laughs> So dumb. <laughs> you want to go box? Yep. Yeah, box to go. Box to go. Box uh, to go. Yeah. Guys, yeah. I'm in the middle of a race. <laughs> well, what are you talking about? Yeah. I just... I don't know, man. It's I, bad. And that's literally what it feels like, though. It is. They're just keep uh, clueless. As... Uh, <laughs> why, why do you mean that something's wrong with the car? Where are we... Oh, we're racing! As very colorful as that is, Andrew's not far off, to be fair. If you haven't watched the Formula 1 race. <laughs> uh, also what do you mean if something's wrong with the car? All right, getting off, it's the, a Ferrari. Get off the Italian accent for a second. Uh, Aston Martin, too. Remember when Fernando Alonso said that he uh, would finish the rest of the season it's a fast car, on, it? on the podium no matter what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that hasn't <laughs> happened. And he finished with his lowest... Points finish or lowest finish, excuse me, of the season so far in P9. Uh, what the heck has happened to Aston Martin? It just didn't keep up. I didn't. Their development is drastically falling off a cliff. R&D department. They went from arguably the second fastest car to now they're the fifth. Ass. We don't even know, too, if the Alpines, like, could the Alpines have made it competitive? <laughs> Maybe. Like, at this point, right? Like, you can't even, if Pierre and Ocon, you couldn't tell me, with Ocon being a former winner here and Pierre having his moments. I don't know. Lance Stroll, you said it like Daniel Ricciardo maybe could have challenged for P10. The Alpine certainly could have. Yeah. I just... Yeah, man. I think uh, it's going to be very interesting to see. We're going to Spa now Yes. for the next race. Sprint weekend. Sprint weekend. So it's always going to be fun. Daniel likes sprints. Daniel does like sprints. Uh, I don't think... Daniel will have a chance to finish in the points. I agree. Because Alfatari, kind of similar to Williams, they do better 
in speed tracks. They have power. great race pace. Yes. Uh, and power circuits, which Spa is obviously a power circuit. Red Bull, Max is going to drive away. It just is what it is. We're already accepting it. Whatever. Mercedes, I don't think is going to perform as well because they don't tend to do as well in the straights. No. Uh, I could see Ferrari weirdly having a bounce back race. Uh, McLaren, though. McLaren will be... Lando will be in Paris. Will be the I race for me. I forgot that the sprints aren't the same anymore. I know. It keeps messing it up, too. Because I'm like, uh, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, yeah, Daniel's going to qualify pretty well, you know, for an Alphatari. Yeah. He'll gain a few positions in the sprint and gain a few positions in the race, but it doesn't work like that anymore. Right. I think... <laughs> I think Daniel... I don't think he'll get... Because you have to finish top eight. And it's hard for in me to... sprint. I it, can't see him top eight. Especially in a sprint. Yeah. In um, Alphatari. But could I see him trying to potentially compete for a point or two in the race? Which Alphatari desperately needs. <laughs> also, knock on wood, because I know we just had a, you know, lap one incident with Alpine that we just talked about. Yeah. I really feel like Spa might have some incidents. I don't know what it I is. I do too. I don't know. Oh, Rouge is rough. It is, especially if you're trying to go there side by side. Yeah. Wheel to wheel. And... And here comes Sebastian Vettel. I know. God, that, that still rings in my head. Such a great clip. Through goes Hamilton. Like, there's so many yeah. iconic. That's one of them. But, uh, yeah, no, I just, I think we could have a couple incidents involving some point, regular point finishers. And. Well, long, long run tracks like this, too. Mm-hmm. You know, the. What word am I looking for? The reliability there comes into go. play. There you go. So, I just think we could have an interesting race, and Daniel will have a chance to have a really solid finish. And Paris is going to be on the, you know, going to be on the hot seat again because this is a track where not a lot of track limits are, you know, going to be enforced or should be enforced because drivers normally keep it in the lines here. Um, Sergio, realistically, like Andrew said, bare minimum, unless Lando just has a heck of a lap. No lower than the second row. No. So I'm interested to see how McLaren or Lando versus Perez ends up. Maybe Oscar Piastri finally gets a podium for the first time. We'll see. I just, it could be very interesting this weekend. Um, George Russell also want to just shout him out. He went from P18, uh, didn't have the, what, what was the excuse that he used that I sent you? The driver's agreement. That's right. Oh, yeah, the driver's agreement. The driver's agreement was not in his favor. Uh, that was totally enforced by everyone, every race. Mm-hmm. Um, he started P18, and he worked his way back up to P6. I expect him to have a bounce back race as well. Oh, but yeah. I just, I don't think, I don't see Mercedes honestly competing for top four. I think they're going to be. I think it was more Mercedes' fault that this happened than it was George's or the other drivers. Yes and no. Like, also, George was kind of taking a sweet time getting around that final corner. Yeah. So. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So this race will be interesting. Spa, Spa needs to be good. Spa needs to be good. Yeah. And I think it will be because that long Eau Rouge drive down. And we also haven't had a good Spa race in a long time. Yeah, I know. Well, so last year we had the max drive from, I think it was like P14, I think, or yeah. P10, whatever it was, yeah. through the field to go first. P14. And, um, you know, the year before that was the rained out race in which george russell qualified podium yeah from a race that literally was finished behind the safety car yeah after three laps or two laps or whatever it was yeah so 
We need a good spa race. We need a good spa race. Ever since I've actually like regularly started Formula One, like watching Formula One, I haven't seen a good spa race. And we need to enjoy this. And Andrew, whatever time the race is this weekend, you need to make sure you set your alarm for because after eight a.m. again, it is eight a.m. We don't have F one for another month. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Well, we got football back, so it's kind of like a give football and take. Is back, give and take. All right, and there's big news in, in the, the world, world of college football. football. Big 12. Specifically. It's getting bigger. Rumored to be happening within the next 48 hours, the University of Colorado has entered discussions to move back to the Big 12, according to multiple reports. Additionally, the Big 12 has scheduled meeting, a meeting excuse me, of league presidents Wednesday evening with an expansion update planned as part of the itinerary. Uh, the Buffaloes are, have been considered a potential priority expansion target for the Big 12, along with three other teams from the Pac-12 that include Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. So, with, obviously, Texas and Oklahoma leaving after this season, um, that's obviously going to change kind of the fabric of the Big 12 as a conference, without a doubt, no matter how you feel about those teams. The future of the Big 12, at some points, was... Bleak. Bleak, murky. Right after, it was right after Texas and OU announced that they were leaving. Everyone thought Big 12 was going to be the league. That potentially disbanded. That disbanded and fell apart. Which, that as a league that we grew up in Big 12 country, that would have something that would have affected us directly, affected yeah. the schools that some of us went to. And the the thing is, though, out went Bullsby, in came one Brett Yormark, now commissioner of the Big 12. And in his tenure, we have now added Cincinnati, UCF, BYU. I'm just holding up the number. Houston. Houston, there you go. So it's Houston. And now, according to a few sources, the deal is basically done. Tomorrow's the vote for Colorado. And by the end of the day, more than likely they will be applying for Big 12, for the Big 12. And we'll the Big 12 is holding their meeting tomorrow to approve said uh, entrance. Right. And on top of that, Colorado goes, it, it, the dominoes start to fall. Uh, it, that, that's just what happens. Mm-hmm. One team goes, everyone thinks, all right, someone, someone, someone's going to take all the heat for us. Let's all go. And the four corner schools are going to follow. We're going to get the Arizonas. We're going to get Utah. And surprisingly, so a tweet that I had just seen. As he pulls this up. Brett McMur- So let's start here. Brett McMurphy tweets, Colorado has scheduled a Board of Regents meeting for a second consecutive day on Thursday where the Buffs are expected to discuss and approve a move to the Big 12. It's 98% done. Which is a very good percentage. Jason Shear then says Colorado is likely to move within the next 48 hours. Also, there's another school in the Pac-12 beyond the rumored four corners that will surprise people and is seriously contemplating a jump to the Big 12. Jason Shear then goes on to tweet, Respectfully, Washington State and Oregon State aren't attractive enough for the Big 12 shares. Stanford and Cal don't even know they have departments, athletic departments. Think elsewhere. That leaves two 
options. Attractive enough options for the Big 12. That's Oregon and Washington. If it's Washington, Oregon follows. If it's Oregon, Washington follows. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I agree. Um, Back 12 also is entering a crossroad kind of in their own right. Uh, This is the final year that USC and UCLA will be in there before they bolt to the Big 10. Yep. And the Pac-12 is in negotiation with their shareholder, share rights holders for their new media rights. They've been trying to, you know, get a program to basically televise their games. Yeah. And they're having no luck. Yeah. So you could really potentially see the Pac-12 disband before your very eyes. And kind of like what we were talking about before the pod, now you have a situation where, again, with the future of those schools, let's just say Arizona State, um, Arizona, and Utah go to the Big 12. Okay. And then Washington and Oregon, we'll see what they do. Um, you still have Stanford. You still have Oregon State. You still have like all these other schools that could potentially fall in line with another league. Will they go to the ACC? Will they go to the Big 10, SEC, Big 12, what have you? But now the ACC's got to kind of sit there and be like, they have, don't get me wrong, the ACC's not in a bad situation as compared to the Pac 12 no, is right now. No. But the ACC has to realize, okay, if we don't want to kind of be that fourth conference looking in at the other three, yeah. they need to start making moves as well. The biggest move that the ACC can make, because right now it seems like the Big 12 is winning. First off, the Big 12 is more attractive than the ACC is. I'm sorry. Especially if you're on the Pacific. Well, yeah. Geographically, they have the advantage. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. But the Big 12, I feel like, is much more well-rounded than the ACC. Because there's bottom tier ACC schools that you're like, who, who are you? Like, <laughs> like seriously. And, and at the end of the day, it's the best move that the ACC can make is whatever Pac-12 schools do not come to the Big Twelve, you get them. Yeah, I, that's like Remember the only maybe. that's the only option you have because that's the only Power Five schools left up for grabs. Mm-hmm. Every other school who's already established the Big Twelve, if we get Oregon, Washington, even just one of those. Colorado and the four corners. Yeah. So the big 12. No one's leaving. Yeah. So in that case, again, we'll assume that the corners are coming and we'll let's just play your argument and say that Oregon and Washington are coming. Okay. That now makes the big 12. I don't think as top heavy as the SEC and the big 10, but it certainly makes them in terms of like their middle class, so to speak, if you know, for lack of a better term, as strong as there is in the country. And then the ACC sitting there, sitting there like, okay, we have Florida State, we have Miami, you know, we have North Carolina, we have Duke, uh, and you start after that, it's like, okay, Clemson, Clemson too, apologies, but you know, you're sitting there, you okay, we have Boston College, eh, you have Wake Forest, meh, like he really starts to thin out, and the ACC has to be sitting there thinking, okay. We've got to get a jump on this. The Big 12 right now is kind of kicking our butt in terms of who's going to be the best conference after the SEC and the Big 10 in yeah. terms of top level. And the Big 12 is doing everything in its power to make their conference survive. And they're doing a great job of it right now. Colorado. And the fact that they're getting Colorado now with Dion as well. That's a huge, huge name along with a budding brand. Colorado has, for people that are listening... Colorado has a rich football history. Absolutely. 
They're they've at, struggled the last few years, but right the last year they obviously went one and eleven. Yeah, but historically they're a great college football program, and they're a founding member of the of the Big Twelve. Right before they ended up leaving, and now they're going looking, to the Big Twelve. Exactly. Now they're looking to come back. It makes all the sense. We kind of figured that this was probably going to happen. Yeah, we knew expansion wasn't over. Right, and. Now we're kind of sitting here and thinking, okay, what's the next move? Because that this this move was kind of, I think most people would have thought yeah. Colorado back to the Big Twelve yeah. makes eventually. sense eventually, even if it wasn't in this media rights window, with the the just star power that Dion brings to a school, the talent that they've added to that roster in one off season, and how competitive they're supposed to be in their first year with Dion, yeah, it's huge. Yeah, on top of that. You think Dion doesn't want the Texas and Florida recruiting grounds? Oh yeah. You join the Big Twelve, those are open to you now. Yep. Yeah. But but you start adding West Coast teams to the Big Twelve, that opens up all the West Coast recruiting to every other Big Twelve school as well. So specifically you start talking hitting high, California high school football. Washington. Right. right. High school football, there's four major states in terms of recruiting. Georgia, Florida, Texas, California. Yep. Those are the big four. The big four. And in the Big 12, right, so you have Florida, you have Texas. If you could somehow get one of these Pac-12, maybe lower, again, maybe if Stanford wants to come there, maybe if, I don't know, if Cal necessarily would want to. And with access to Florida, you can dip your your toes into Georgia, too. Yeah, right. But Georgia's obviously... Big name, you're right next door to Alabama. Yeah. You're right next to you. Which, but that leads me to what if, you know, again, something happens with the ACC, Georgia Tech, you could potentially target them. So that way it firmly plants you in there. In Georgia. Exactly. So I do not want Georgia Tech. I, but for <laughs> but for Georgia. For, yeah. For Georgia. You would be willing to live yeah. with it. Uh, but Nevada is also a great recruiting ground, too. It is. And they would be, uh, well, with, uh, excuse me, I'm with the Utah there. schools. Exactly. That you're essentially right next to them as yeah. well. Um, yeah, the Big 12 is making moves. They went out on the offensive. They went out on the aggressive side, and it's paying dividends for them. Legally, the Big 12 can't say that they're recruiting schools. But they are. CU has to apply first. <laughs> right, but they Before are. they can say that they're going after them. But, but they are. But they are. <laughs> but they are. <laughs> but they are. Allegedly. 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 So. This is all satire. <laughs> it's. <laughs> It's all no, it's not because next week we're going to be talking about call the newest member of the Big Twelve, the Colorado Buffaloes. I just so we're this obviously this report came down a with, bombshell with me literally driving to where we record. So we're still kind of dealing with the fallout as it's happening live, which is another great reason why we're recording today because it's awesome. But I just. To me, now this really, the Pac-12 to me is on its lifeline. It's on its, you know, it's on the heartbeat monitor. Uh, just, you know, they got their... Ladies and gentlemen, screen. 20 minutes ago, Colorado is officially leaving the Pac-12 to return to the Big 12 in 2024. There so you, you will receive full Big 12 share from ESPN Fox Media deal. The buffs left because of Big 12 stability and Pac-12's uncertainty. It was announced officially by Brett McMurphy. There on- you go. Wednesday as we were recording this. So the announcement comes tomorrow. There you go. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a given congratulations to Colorado for making the move. Yeah. And it's in 2024 as well. So it's the it's year Texas and OU leave. So that's a, about as, like I said, I would say Oregon and, uh, 
Washington, respectively, like as programs, are at a better state than Colorado is right now. But yeah. given Colorado's history in the Big Twelve, yeah. this was about as big of a it's move. Not, it's a domino. Yeah, it's a domino. Exactly. By the time we record next week, we could see two or three other schools joining the Big Twelve. Yeah, and this this also confirms what we were literally just talking about the state of the Pac-12, like you mentioned, because of their media rights. A lot of teams are sitting there like, okay, now Colorado's moved. What are we going to do? Are we just going to sit here left being left no. eye out to dry? No, no because we move. hear this. The Big 12 media right deal doesn't expire until 2025. Texas and OU had to pay a buyout to get out early. Right. That media rights deal for the Pac-12 is over after this season. Right. They are running out of time. And the longer the Pac-12 waits, the less all these networks are going to offer. They can't get... They couldn't get an offer from Amazon. They couldn't. And Amazon's literally just trying to get involved in any way they can. Yeah. I mean, at this point, <laughs> like... What, what do you do? Like, are you trying to go to FanDuel? Like, what are you... What, what's the option here? Is ESPN <laughs> said FanDuel. No. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, <laughs> No, but that's like the levels that we're talking YouTube. about here. Yeah, YouTube. <laughs> don't even YouTube TV. Just YouTube. Are we going on Twitch? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> we're going on Kick? Like, what's going on here? And Twitter like, Live or yeah, X Twitter Live? live. Yeah, X Live. X videos. Oh my God. <laughs> Coming to you in 2024, the Pac 12 Network on X <laughs> Live from Red Tube. <laughs> we back to oh, thank God we put this on explicit. <laughs> I have never heard of one of those sites that you just mentioned, Andrew, ever. Watch Stanford ever. get fucked by Washington. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're all trying to process in real time. This is obviously, you know, uh, just two very delusional idiots just trying to break this all down. Oh, my goodness. Um, Anyways. <laughs> so, look, also, too, speaking to that and Amazon not wanting uh, the Pac-12. Oh, my God. I'm crying. Um, Colorado, right? Part of Pac-12's draw. I'm not going to say it's the biggest draw, but part of their draw was Dion and Colorado and this redemption arc that Colorado was on. Now they're going to the Big 12. Like, at this point, the Pac-12 has got to be sitting there and be thinking, man, we are not looking good right now. Like, this is, like you said, a domino, and this could be the first domino of many that ends up being the end of the Pac-12. I just have to mention, Big Cat from Barstool okay. has to be one of the biggest, like, jinxers in the world. I, he's notorious for this. He yeah. does this all the time. He tweeted at 610, which is about seven minutes ago. This is messed up. The Big 12. Oh, no. This was like about an hour ago. This is messed up. The Big 12 poaching Pac-12 schools will all but kill the league. Shame. Surely enough, 40 minutes later, Brett McMurphy makes the official announcement. <laughs> Jinxed. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Not that you're promoting other podcasts other than ours to go listen to, Andrew. <laughs> it's it's I get it. It's it's Barstool. It's good. It's a good podcast. They're like what number one in terms of sports podcasts in the world. Yeah, they, yeah. it's them and uh, busting with the boys. Like, yeah, back and forth. There you go. So uh, I would love to work with them. Yeah, <laughs> Andrew is uh, seeking employment. I guess. Uh, <laughs> no, I meant you know working together. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like that. Okay. Um, yeah. No, this is 
huge news. And obviously, we're still trying to process it while also trying to somewhat stay PG-13, I guess. Um, <laughs> no. No. We, no. You think we passed that? This, I think. Show, this show goes on explicit for a reason. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, this is huge. And, oh, my gosh. I, I'm still reeling. I'm still just wow that's insane i gotta i'm just i'm pulling up the pack 12 because we talked about some of the uh some of the rosters excuse me or some of the teams that could be potentially on the move the pack 12 uh as we look at the standings so obviously usc and ucla they're leaving colorado's announced they're leaving we already talked about arizona arizona state and utah you got washington and oregon after that it's like cal you got oregon state Stanford, uh, and Washington State. I don't want any of them. <laughs> but here's the thing: those are those four teams. They're they're the ones not involved in any like rumors per se. Yeah, they they would be that they would have to be the four that the ACC goes after. If not, the ACC is going to fall down. And if you're the ACC, you got to pick up a couple like uh, AAC teams too. Exactly. Maybe a couple Mountain West teams. Yeah, I mean SMU for as much as. People don't like the fact that they shouldn't be that level. I mean, they could be a potential team that, you know, the ACC targets. It has to be. You have to take SMU. You got to try to grab San Diego State. That's another one. Maybe Nevada. Yep. Could be. Boise State. I mean. Colorado State. Yeah. Incredible. This is, this is bombshell news. We're, we're, again, all processing this about as live as you can get it. And good Lord. Huge. But yes, Colorado, as Andrew mentioned, is now confirmed for the Big 12, as reported by Brett McMurphy, for 2024. <laughs> now it's reported they, by literally everybody now. And what a timing for Colorado, given the fact that their week one matchup is in Fort Worth against TCU. TCU. And week two of the college football season, Oregon at Texas Tech. Is that a potential Big 12 rivalry now? Which, is that a preview? Are we still going to that? I want to, man. Yeah. Well, you're, you're the one with the job. Tickets are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And your boy doesn't have a big boy. This is my job. So unless we got <laughs> unless we got some extra funds in the Good Time Sports account, I don't know if I'm going to be able I'm to go. About, I'd pay them all to myself. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Unless the, <laughs> unless the Good Time Sports account kind of helps me out there. Um, but anyways, yeah, this is huge. Colorado is in the Big 12. Boom. Huge news. Uh, <laughs> anything else you kind of want to just say? I'm still reeling just from the fact of everything just happening just now. That's insane, man. It's going to be so cold in basketball, too. <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah. Colorado um, up in Boulder. Yeah. Dion in the Big 12. There you go. There you go, man. Oh, all right. Uh as much as we would love to continue to talking about this, I think we're just going to keep running in circles. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, we, we, we got a little carried away. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's take it over now to the the sport that is back next week. It's the NFL, and we got a lot to talk about. Meet mature college universities five miles away. I saw it in your face. I knew that was coming. 
Oh my goodness. Um, I did you, the voice really well you, too. You, did. <laughs> you 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 seem to have some experience dealing with that kind of stuff. You got it down, bud. Um, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. I just said something and didn't mean anything. What are you watching in your free time, Colin? Yeah, sure. Okay, bud. <laughs> Can't even say that with a straight face. Uh, so we've had some extensions. A lot of extensions, actually. Sure. Uh, Justin Herbert became the highest paid player in NFL history, signing for $262.5 million over five years. Congrats to him. Uh, Andrew Thomas of the New York Giants signed a five-year, $117.5 million extension. Trayvon Diggs of your Dallas Trayvon Cowboys. Trayvon Diggs. Signed a five-year, $97 million contract. Uh, Quinn and Williams re-upped with the New York Jets, four years for 96. And yeah, we've got a lo- Aaron Rodgers also reworked his deal. That's huge. Took a $35 million pay cut. Now is two years, $75 million guaranteed. Um, through the 2024 season with the New York Jets. Uh, so we've obviously got to talk about all of this because training camp has started as of yesterday. And yeah, extensions are crazy. And obviously, you know, the cap goes up every year. But we talked about it last week, the running back's not getting paid and how all these other positions are getting paid. Also, where was it? I saw this contract that came through today. Uh Tight end, where is he? I'm looking on this. Sorry, apologize for that. Tight end Cole Komet got like a four-year, oh, $50 yeah. million dollar deal. Yeah. With respect to Cole Komet, you're no. paying him versus like, again, not just him specifically, but guys, his level. Okay, yeah, four years, $50 million. Austin Eckler can't get some money. Yeah. You know, Josh Jacobs. Saquon's got to sign for one year, $11 million. Yeah. I don't, man, I, I understand the analytics and all that behind I, and it. And also, running backs are very replaceable at the moment. Yeah. <clears throat> There's so much running back talent that comes out of college every year. Yeah. It's a difficult market right now for running backs. It is. But I just, I just, it's blowing my mind, man, some of these contracts. Joe Burrow also, by the way, sitting there just... Because he's about to be making, if Herbert's making, I think he's making 52.5 annually. Okay. Burrow's got to be at least making 54. You got to imagine. So if Burrow, I'm going to just do quick math here on my phone. 52 or 54, excuse me, 54 million over five years. He's going to be making 270 probably on his contract. (laughs) At guaranteed, total guaranteed, probably 200 plus million. Yeah. That's insane. That's nuts. That's uh, massive numbers. Yeah, and we, this kind of ties in a little bit because we obviously saw Kylian Mbappe, his contract offer from al Haddad in Saudi Arabia. Like, it was his ridiculous contract where he was getting essentially $1 billion for one year. Um, quick question, just kind of a side note before we get back to the NFL. What sport is your kid going to be playing? Because mine's going to be playing all of them. He's going to be playing baseball, football, soccer, <clears throat> basketball. Just trying to see. Uh, whatever leagues that Saudi Arabia is paying people for. <laughs> Which could be all of them by the time. <laughs> oh, no. Me and my roommate were talking about this the other day. Uh, if they start a, a professional basketball league, 75% of the NBA is gone. I think so. I think I agree. They're gone. Gone. Because gone. the lowest paid players are going to be getting paid what max players are getting paid now in the NBA. Yeah. I agree. LeBron James is going to be making $2 bill a year. 
LeBron even tweeted out if Saudi started a league. Yeah, Forrest Gump running down the street. Yeah. I, I, mean, I would too. <laughs> Dude, in the same thing, they started a professional football league. If, Our guys are gone. If Kylian Mbappe had signed his contract, I did the calculations. He'd be paying off my student loans in just over 12 minutes <laughs> of signing that contract. That's insane. <laughs> like, what? That's gross. Yeah, wasn't he making like $12 a second? Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. A second. A second. Hold on. I want some dinner. All right, cool. I'll Let's go. Wait. You want some too? Hold on. All right, we're buying some for the office now. Let's go. Yeah. Five star, like multiple. Oh, just. Yeah, by the time you get there. Yeah. You buy the restaurant. Someone uh, sent out this tweet. Herbert's getting paid Desmond Bain money. <laughs> and it just goes to show that there are levels to these leagues. Yeah. And either way, these guys are millionaires, so they're happy they're taking care of all of that. Yeah. Um, I just kind of wanted to briefly also touch Herbert's a little bit because obviously, you know, Trayvon, glad he got his money. Yeah. Deservedly so. Andrew Thomas, same thing. Herbert's kind of in an interesting situation because, you know, he was drafted. He immediately is awesome, right? He, through his first three seasons, he has the most passing yards of any quarterback, most 300-yard passing games, and second most touchdowns. I think it's second to Mahomes, ironically. And they he's only, excuse me, won, he's not won a playoff game, and he's actually statistically gotten slightly worse um, each of the three years he's been in the league, yeah. which is part of the reason I kind of had him lower in my quarterback rank. I think I had him fifth, which is, again, it's fifth. Um, but Herbert's under a lot of pressure this year, like a lot, meaning, you know, Obviously, the, the contract doesn't kick in because, you know, he's only been in three years. He's still got another year before the contract sets in, and he starts getting paid big money. You're not going to be able to pay Bosa and Mac the money that you're due. No. J.C. Jackson getting the money that he's getting paid. Yep. You still got to pay Asante Samuel Jr. whenever he gets coming up. Uh, you know, Mike Williams is making the money he's making. Keenan Allen, you just drafted another stud receiver. Uh, left tackle uh, Slater, he's going to get his money. Uh, Corey Lindsley's making a munch. Like, the Chargers need Herbert to produce, and they need to produce him now. Also worth noting, since the NFL adjusted his uh, their NFL rookie contract scale um, back after like the Sam Bradford days, I think, there's only been, Herbert now being the third, three quarterbacks that have signed a rookie contract extension uh, pre-year four, post-year three that have not won a playoff game. Carson Wentz which he was kind of in a weird situation because if you remember, he got his team the number one seed before he tore his ACL. He got them to buy. Nick Foles ended up finishing the job. Yeah. We saw how Carson Wentz's career ended. Yeah. The second one was Kyler. And we've seen kind of what <sighs> Kyler's gone down. Yeah. Right? I'm not saying Herbert's like those two. Absolutely not. But it is worth noting, given the fact that I don't think Herbert got enough criticism for him blowing a 27-point lead in his first playoff game. Like, I understand, you know, Kellum, or not Kellum Moore, uh, the offensive coordinator that I'm blanking on his name, uh, he obviously got fired. Brandon Staley hasn't been in the best situationally, especially last year. Herbert's got to wear some of that, too. And the Chargers now, like, you're stuck with Mahomes. Mahomes is going to be a Kansas City Chief for his entire career. And you've got a great guy to compete against him with. But at the same time, you got to strike when the iron's hot. And last year was a damn good time to do it. They ultimately came up short against the Chiefs twice. 
and they lost in the wild card round. If they don't really produce and Herbert doesn't show you improvement slash, I, I'll say it, he has to win a playoff game this year for it to be a successful season. If he doesn't, th- the media is slowly going to kind of be like, hey, you know what's going on with Herbert? And he's under a lot of pressure this year. And I think the Chargers need to produce. They obviously did um, acquire Kellen Moore as their OC. They drafted him a first-round wide receiver. Herbert, you just got to produce, man. You got to. You have the weapons now. Yeah. It just... He is one of those guys... If you ask, like, any media member, they, they love Herbert. Oh, my God. He's amazing. Look at his cannon. They all love Herbert. And for rightfully Pause. so. <laughs> but I just... He's got he's to prove, you know, that he's worth his contract. And I'm not saying he isn't, but, like, her, you know, Burrow is about to sign his contract extension. He's taking his team to a Super Bowl. Mahomes is Mahomes. That's a separate, that's a separate thing. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen, he's been to the AFC Championship game. Uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, when he signed his extension, he's, you know, taking his team to a Super Bowl. Lamar won a playoff game. Like, there's these guys that there's levels to this. You know, hey, Trevor Lawrence, he's going to be up for an extension after this upcoming season. He just beat Herbert. So if you're sitting there, right, if if this season goes haywire for Herbert, like he keeps going down. I mean, you're talking about the AFC quarterbacks, right? You got Mahomes, Burrow, Allen. You've got uh, Lamar. You've got... <laughs> no, I'm just the going AFC down the list. so stacked. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is another one. You also have... Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, if he bounces back. Deshaun Watson, if he regains form from his Texan days, which, you know... Who knows? Yeah, right. Uh, Herbert could really slide down the ladder in terms of quarterback hierarchy. Yep. And, yeah, I just think he needs to be... He needs to have a really bounce-back year. Because last year, you could argue, was his worst of his three years. And that normally doesn't happen from that trajectory. Because he came to the league and he was awesome. Second year, awesome-ish compared to his first year. And then he just kind of took a step back, I feel like, last year. So we'll see. We'll see how it kind of turns out. But I just kind of wanted to touch on that. Um, Still believe in Herbert. Still think he's going to do really good. But he needs, I think, for the Chargers and him, they need to just win a playoff game, which I think is reasonable. I think if you get the top wild card seed, not even saying you have to win the division. If you get the top wild card seed and you have to play a, a low, the lowest division winner, Herbert's good enough to where you can go win on the road. And with that talented roster, there's no reason that they shouldn't be in the divisional round. I agree. So, couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. No, I just I was thinking about that today, and you know, interesting news going back on the running backs. though, real quick, go for it. Jim Mersey. We know loves to tweet. That he does. And he just tweeted. Oh no! What did he tweet? NFL running back situation. We have negotiated a CBA that took years of effort and hard work and compromise and good faith by both sides. To say now that a specific player category wants another negotiation after the fact is inappropriate. Some agents are selling bad faith. And all this, he said, with Jonathan Taylor up for an extension. Isn't Jonathan Taylor not reporting? Yeah. Yeah. And he's gone. Oh, man, Jim Irsay, the quote treasure, uh, as we journalists like to call it. Um, Look, I'll I'll say this, kind of just, again, breaking down that in real time. Um, Yeah, you did uh, negotiate the CBA. Doesn't mean that the owners aren't acting in bad faith sometimes. Yeah. I mean, we just kicked out an owner who acted out in bad faith. 
Thank God. <laughs> Find him 60 mil on the way out. Yeah. Um, not even going to address his name because it's not worth mentioning. No. Um, he doesn't deserve any attention. Exactly. But the the running backs have an absolute right to kind of sit there. And if you're Austin Eckler, right, you led the league in touchdowns last year. You can't get a multi-year extension and sit there and not be like, hey, listen, we need to change some things. Like, that deserves to be a conversation. Saquon, Absolutely. Saquon Barkley was arguably the most important offensive piece for the New York Giants' playoff success last year. He can't get a multi-year extension. Yep. And it's just for future running backs and everything and all that, they have a right to voice their concerns. Yep. And Jim Irsay, just his PR team just needs to do a better job of talking to him and trying to maybe just, hey, Jim, I see you're on your phone. You're, you wouldn't happen to be tweeting, would you? You know? I just... Huh, it's it's rough out there. Yep. It's rough. And, you know, hopefully for Jonathan Taylor's sake, he gets everything that he deserves because that doesn't sound good. No. All right. Let's talk about the top 100. Yes. 100 to 71 has been released. Anything that stands out to you? Uh, Yes, <laughs> to say the least. So before we get into this, right? Yeah. Preface this by the NFL players vote on this list every year. Yeah. They're pulled by the NFL network. They get, you know, they do the short video tributes to all these guys, yeah. all this stuff, right? And players, to put it nicely, they're very uh, recency bias based. Like if you did really good last year, you're going to be a lot higher on the list than, say, somebody who traditionally is really good. Um, I forget uh, which quarterback I think just got left off the list um, from the top 100, but. You know, last year's list, I'll just read you the top 10. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, or excuse me, Aaron Donald, Aaron Rodgers, Cooper Cup, Jonathan Taylor, TJ Watt, Devontae Adams, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Ramsey, Travis Kelsey. <laughs> like, players, that I guarantee you that's not going to be the top 10. And the fact no. that Mahomes is at number eight, I'm sorry. NFL players, like, I understand you play and that you have more football knowledge and your pinky nail than I will in my entire life. You cannot tell me that we're watching the same game and that you think Patrick Mahomes was the eighth best player in football last year. And he, like, again, like, that's just, no. that that's the kind of, so when I sit there and look at this list, right, and obviously, look, like, I know last year uh, when we were doing this podcast, Tool was kind of a hot contention point because I, you know, we had some interesting debates, let's call it, over Tua. Tua and on. Tua and on, right. Uh, I love Geno Smith in the year that he had last year. Gino Tua, I don't know. Like that could go either way for me. I'm not sure that Gino should be ahead of Tua. That's yeah. like a, that's a debate. Yeah. Right. And I I love Gino and everything, but also it's the fact that the quarterback position I feel like needs to be valued way higher. Oh, than yeah. these players do. But again, because they're players, yeah, they're gonna give props to yeah other players, of course. So I always take it with a grain of salt, but it is interesting like looking at it from a, a distance, just being like, hey, listen, this is how the players think. Okay, you know, I, I I could see, excuse me, how I um get this year. Just, it's inconsistent at best. I'm not going to lie, but it just, I always will tune in just because I think it's interesting to see how the other peers view the other peers, but I don't hold it to any weight. Like if you ever come to me and like, hey, Lynn, listen, man, ESPN Top 100, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. Tom Brady as well. No. No. Sorry. Currently, no. No. Last Long year? Time? No. 
Oh yeah, yeah. all time. Well, different I, story. I, well, I have Mahomes over Rogers all time, but that's that's fine. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> um, Brady, not yet. Yeah, not yet. But so look, I, close right. And then like Lamar, I understand Lamar had it down year last year. Lamar is not the seventy second no, best player. Not. No, he's not. <laughs> like what? No, what? It's just very recency bias, and it's very. Um, I just I don't know what the proper term is, but just not the well most coherent thought list that ever comes out because it's always got guys that are somehow higher but then like a year later they're down like almost 60 spots and yeah i don't know um also justin fields getting rated uh 86th justin could have a great year this year justin fields at this point and i know colin cowherd said this so it's take it with a grain of salt but it's actually true he is closer right now to being a bust than he is to being a successful NFL quarterback. Yep. So, I don't know. I just there's a lot on this list. But what did you? What were your main takeaways when you saw it? <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely Lamar. <laughs> Big one, right? It's huge. That's a huge, huge. Uh, miss L on the players' parts. Um, yeah, I also noticed Gino over Tua. Um, I love Gino, and it, it, to be honest, that is a discussion. But again, am I sure? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. It and like and honestly, it's it's hard because I don't pay much attention to these lists every year, just because, like you said, they really don't hold much weight. They don't. Um, I'm trying to look up because there was there were some guys that left off. I'm looking off the top ten that were. Listed just off. I know uh, Quandre Diggs, the safety for the Seattle Seahawks, was like one of them. Um, excuse me. About to, sorry, I thought I was about to sneeze. Um, and there's some other guys that I felt like, okay, I, you can't tell me that there's like 100 guys better than this guy. I just... like Aiden Hutchinson, I get you had a great rookie year. Is he already? But you're not top 100. There you go. I, you know, and it's just... I feel like a lot of these are legacy votes too. Yes. Oh yes. Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah, Lattimore really hasn't been the same since his rookie year. Harrison Smith. But Harrison Smith still being up there. Tristan Wirfs. Great year. Wirfs, I'll kind of give you because Wirfs is. Wirfs is on his day. He's legit. Yeah. Yeah. He is. But yeah, I don't know. There is a storyline though that affects a player on your team. Oh, here. Let me just read you off the 10 that missed it. Okay, and three of them are Seahawks, which is kind of what caught my eye, but <laughs> call me call me biased all you want to. Uh, 110 through 101. I'm just going to run through it. Quandre Diggs, Cordero Patterson, Kevin Byer, James Bradbury, Joel Petonio, TJ Hawkinson, Jimmy Ward, Alvin Kamara, Jordan Brooks, DK Metcalf. Yeah, I would have had DK, and I would have had... Uh... Take your time. TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, I feel like higher. DK, I'm sorry, you just can't tell me that 100 players are better than DK Metcalf. No, you can't. No way. Yeah, so... I would take DK over Devonta Smith. Yeah. Yeah. With all due respect to Devonta Smith. Yeah. So, yeah. But look, and they're going to release this list, and there's going to be... It's all recency bias. It's all it is. Yeah. And we'll... Hopefully, by the time we record this next podcast, like, the whole list will be out, so we can just yeah talk about it. Um, as long as Patrick Mahomes is number one... Well, the whole list isn't coming out until 
August 4th. So Yeah, so it's going to be two weeks from now. Weeks, yeah. All right. Well, we'll figure it out. But, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, there is one Seahawk that is dealing with some contract issues. More than a Seahawk. A whole, the only rookie. The only rookie. The only one out of the entire 2023 draft class that has yet to sign his rookie deal. That is Devin Witherspoon, the fifth overall pick from this year's draft. There's uh, always one, though. There is. And it's kind of sucks when it's your number one pick. Uh, but yeah, Devin Witherspoon, basically, to kind of make it into layman's terms, he wants more guaranteed money on his signing bonus for reference. Uh, the three guys, or excuse me, three of the guys that went ahead of him, uh, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, they all received 100% of their signing bonuses up front. Will Anderson received 85 to 15%, 85 to 15% split of his bonus from the Houston Texans immediately. And Devin Witherspoon saying that he has not been offered the amount that he is looking for. So I just spilled ice cold water on my thigh. <laughs> I think Seattle is still trying to work out and try to maybe clear up some cap space in order to kind of get this signing bonus done. I expect it to get done, but the longer you take uh, in training camp, the longer it really affects the chemistry and a rookie's development. Yeah. So Seattle, get this done, preferably by the end of this week. Yeah, please. So. <sighs> we'll see. It's a lot of football talk. A lot. Yeah. Also, hey, Rodgers, I know Excuse we kind me. of briefly went over it. That's huge for the Jets. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of space. If he shows potential just a little bit, like gets him to the postseason, they didn't even necessarily win a playoff game, but like shows that they're competitive. Oh, the Jets are going to be players at free agency next year. Oh, they're going to be. Apparently, Rodgers modeled his deal after Tom Brady's deal in Tampa Bay. So that's pretty genius. Yeah. That is pretty genius. He still gets his money and um well, relatively right. Uh but yeah, he creates more cap flexibility for the Jets. So I don't know if they're gonna they're not gonna use it obviously now, given his training camp, but yeah, next offseason, look for the Jets to be huge buyers. So crazy. Crazy, crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, that's football, and football is back. back. On this day in 2020, Italian football giants Juventus wins its ninth straight Serie A title with goals from Cristiano Ronaldo and a 2-0 win over Sampdoria. And then Ronaldo took the money and went to Saudi Arabia and plays in an awful league and his team sucks. And while Messi the GOAT went and won a World Cup and is now playing in the best league in soccer. Facts. <laughs> Facts. Just kidding. The MLS is not the best league in soccer. <laughs> so I don't think they're better than League of Mexico, to be honest. <laughs> we got Messi. That's all that matters. <laughs> Messi. Messi. The GOAT. On this day, back in 1992, representing for Brendan, who's out of the office today. Fuck, that's my second one. Nolan Ryan strikes out his 100th batter for the 23rd consecutive season. Shout out to the man known for his hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's known for. There you go. For sure. (laughs) On this day in 1952, Mickey Mantle of the New York Yankees hits his first Grand Slammer. On this day, back in 1984, Expo's Pete Rose ties Ty Cobb with his 3,502nd single. 
Shout out to Pete Rose and Ty Cobb. Finally, on this day in 1948, the great Babe Ruth story premieres. This was Babe Ruth's last public appearance before his death. Wait, end it? Yeah, do you have another one? Uh, yeah, sure. On this day in 1952, Mickey Mantle hits his first Grand Slammer. I literally just said that one. 1950, Dodgers Jim Russell is first to switch home runs twice in the game. I totally zoned out. I'm not going to lie. When you did that, like I was mesmerized with the voice. Just didn't even. It's okay. I literally did I know. that one right before. Uh, I just, that's hilarious. Yeah, I was like, what? To be honest, when you do that voice, I can't even like fully like, I hear you, but I don't hear you. It's what they sound like. It's hard to hear like old broadcasts. See? Thank you. It is. Thank I you. I get really... Oh, and he throws the ball, and he's he, he on the field, he catches the ball, he goes 30, to the 20, to the 10, to the 10, to the touchdown. Gibberish. Yeah. It's all I heard. It's hard. <laughs> hard. If you want to take us out there, Andrew. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to episode, what is this, 45 of the Good Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Maloney. Andrew producer, Andrew Maloney. And I'm alongside co-host Colin Brown today. We had a great, great episode. Share the podcast with your family. Share it with your friends. Spread the word. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And as always, remember the good times. Peace.